0: Thank you and welcome back to Creative Life Before we continue don't forget to hit that bell if you haven't already Like the video and when it's over don't forget to share Right now we are reading The Rise of the Ravenitia With the permission of the author P. Grace Lawson We're on chapter 1 In case you missed the forward, You can click that little icon in the corner there can catch up with us i will be stopping from time to time um just to keep up with the youtube rules so that when the channel is monetized um we can monetize this video as well looks like they've already monetized the cooking videos hmm ah, those rules um moving forward present day Oh, I figured I was too close to the microphone last time, sorry about that. Present day, Southern United States, Ravenswood, Alabama, Honeycut Highway, formerly Utah Crossroads. To outsiders, the three women picking poke salat, a southern delicacy that can be fatal if not prepared correctly, and wild onions along the side of the country road look like relics from bygone days. The women who were now always cold due to their loss of body fat, wore long cotton dresses, large straw hats protected their heads from the unrelenting Alabama sun that was just rising on the horizon, painting the sky a beautiful smorgasbord of mauves, oranges, corals, and yellows. Dew sprinkled the grass and foliage, and the air smelled of the unlikely mixture of pine cones and honeysuckles. <coughs> Now and then a woodpecker tapping on a bark or the call of a wren or sparrow broke the peaceful silence. A motor growled in the distance, polluting the air with its sound. The woman looked up, did a collective eye roll, and resumed the task at hand. What does he want now? One woman mumbled under a breath, stabbing her hoe into the ground with extra vigor. They had to pay attention to what they were doing, for poke salat looked like any other weed. Mature Poke weeds were distinctive. I kind of rearranged my little sitting here, which is good. This is good for the interruptions. Interruptions are good. See here. The stalks were tall and purple with likewise violet berries. This was when the plant was at its most toxic. Therefore, the women focused on harvesting the immature tender shoots, whose stalks were green and berries white. They used their hose to avoid the root, which was poisonous. All three black women were striking. Their skin tones ranged from honey to chocolate to ebony. Their features were as diverse as their skin color a sharp blend of Caucasian, African, and Asian elements All had beautiful high cheekbones Though some appeared razor sharp Because of the drastic weight loss Their movements were sinewy, cat-like And at odds with the clunky, baggy clothes they were wearing While they looked like old women There was something about them that belied their age Siola, Lillabelle Eudora Fury wasn't the tallest of the group. In fact, she was rather petite, but still, she clearly was the group's leader. While she wasn't as fierce looking as the one called Matilda, a quiet menace radiated off of her and humans instinctively instinctively avoided her before they even got the full blast of her stormy green eyes. Matilda, tidy, Arvel, arsenal, was an intimidating presence. Even though she had a buzz cut, there was no mistaking her gender. Her high cheekbones and full sensual lips were all female, while her alert green eyes constantly surveilled her surroundings. The third woman, Elizabeth Lizzie, Sarah Gadsden, was distinguishable from the others by her mane of long dreadlock hair. Her kind and clear green eyes often lulled people into trusting her with their deepest secrets and her PhD in psychology had come in handy on many occasions over the years. A black SUV pulled to a halt on the road's shoulder, kicking up gusts of red dust that blew everywhere. The back door opened and a tall, late middle-aged, cadaverously thin man stepped out. The woman's captor, torturer, rapist, and arch-nemesis had arrived. Mm. And so, um, I just want to take the time right now to encourage you all to grab that book. uh, So possibly we can read along. Um, And if not, just grab the book so you can read ahead. My, 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 my. Because remember, I'm running a couple of YouTube channels here. I've also been helping out a few content creators with their work. And I encourage you to uh, reach out to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean um I'm discreet. I'm pretty good and getting better. And uh yeah. Um momento, por favor. To say the Revenisha regretted the day they allowed their capture would be an understatement. They had known they were in trouble as soon as the slaves packed them on the slave ship and hunger began to eat away at their insides with an intensity they couldn't recall having ever experienced to exacerbate the torture there was food all around them the steady beatings of the healthy hearts inundated their souls and thoughts day in and day out they could hear the blood cursing their veins coursing their veins in their delirium it would have been effortless to break the manacles that bound them and feed to the point of bursting. Instead they had to appease themselves with the slop the slave catchers haphazardly fed them. When they finally docked and were on the auction block it shocked them that they were all bought together. Apparently idea wasn't a completely cold-hearted bitch and had bribed the slave catchers handsomely to ensure the friends joint sale. Thankfully the slave catchers honored their part of the bargain because they could have taken the money and sold them separately, and Adia would have been none the wiser. That one minor act of kindness was the only thing that kept them going nearly four hundred years later. The plantation's owner and their first master in 1650, Mount Rose Norlin Honeycutt, had been a cruel taskmaster. The woman, The women spent those miserable years acclimating to being slaves and learning English after the mysterious disappearance of his father, Balfour Wilkie Honeycutt, inherited the plantation during the heyday when Cotton was king and worked the women mercilessly. Overseers noticed the women were far far outpacing the others and brought it to Balfour's attention. Balfour, who was more interested in being a scientist than a plantation owner, observed the women and made notes in a diary. The War of Northern Aggression came and the women experienced four brief years of happiness at the plantation. They superstitiously fed without arousing suspicion as people disappeared all the time throughout those chaotic years. They faced a hard decision at the end of the war. (coughs) Should they stay or should they go? It had been shockingly easy to remain on the plantation all those years. They had kept low profiles and had only a select number of humans knew about them. They took care of the ones they felt would be problematic. The same dilemma plagued them every time they tried to discuss leaving. How would Adia find them if they moved? The plan had been for them to establish a base in the new land and build a new Revenicia army. Idea would unite with them when she felt the moment was right, after she had conquered the African continent. Surely black people would find freedom at some point in history, and the revolution would be ready. So they stayed on as sharecroppers after the war. Although they might as well have s- still been slaves, Rufu's father, Zebulon Leverett Honeycutt, was born, and like his father before him, he was more interested in science than running a modern plantation. He was the first honeycut to get his doctorate in biology, since molecular biology wasn't a field then. He pored over the diaries left by Montrose and Belfort and set about learning everything he could about the women who never seemed to age and possessed superhuman strength. Rufus was an only child for many years. His younger brother, Borgard, was born when his parents were middle-aged and thought they couldn't have more children. Whereas the other women had dabbled in science as a hobby, Zebulon quickly recognized that his son was a scientific genius and had what was at the time a cutting-edge lab built for them both. Unfortunately, Zebulon learned about the women's abilities firsthand, up close and personal, and this was the start of their modern imprisonment. Re- oh <clears throat> gee. So okay. Yeah, this is, this is, um, this book is absolutely freaking amazing. I won't like, um, so again, I do have to stop from time to time um, because yeah, I had to be careful about reading the book on YouTube and still making sure about monetization when it's time because, you know, um, I do enjoy um, being you know a voice and um, I do enjoy like just like this meeting the new people and I mean I enjoy it all Um, I also do have a family Mm. and as you can hear bills damn those cell phone bills damn Verizon I mean it I'm about to go with T-Mobile I mean right just bleeding money um in any event so yeah uh, it I do need to stop from time to time, and good thing for those um other little things I got going on as well so um guys this this is really a lot I love i I can't even say enough about this book right now, and if you don't have the time to listen, you can fast forward this um I mean it all just makes so much sense, I mean for real, even like aside from you know this being a fictional novel but It is true that, you know, slave owners, like, we have these last names, and they're not, you know, these are slave masters' names, and they were doctors and scientists, and they did have free specimens, and they did buy slaves just to do that with, I mean, the melanated ones. We just had it so bad, and it's so horrible that... It's like no one ever wants to, you can't have a conversation about slavery at all. Probably people will stop listening to the book even now. Um, I encourage you to listen on. It's not based on slavery. This is the rise of the Revenitia. These women lived for 400 years. This is a part of their history. And it is a part of our history. It happened. It's like you can't have these conversations with people about what happened to us. Um, Moving forward. Uh, I'm going to try to, because I want to really make sure you guys can hear, okay, (coughs) rearrange again, (laughs) little ADHD there, and uh, lack of resources, donations are encouraged as well, while we're not monetized, and you can do that at consumarena.com. I'll put a sign up there as well. Uh Rufus had been a young adult home from college for a Christmas break when it happened. He had surprised everyone by arriving early. And this is why you should go ahead and buy the book too, so you don't have to worry about the interruptions. Um, he had surprised everyone by arriving early, exiting his cherry red roadster. He had skipped up the antebellum mansion steps, flung open the door, and entered a bustle of activity. The three fierce looking women he mem- he remembered. His father, studying, were cooking and cleaning, and most curiously of all, they weren't under armed guard. By then he and his father knew their secret, having witnessed them changing and feeding several times over the years. Why were they allowed to be around his mother with no armed guards present? Something wasn't right. He kept a wary eye on them as he called his parents' names. His mother, Isabel, answered from the kitchen where she had been supri- supervising Siola who was cooking the Christmas meal. I'm gonna look that up online to see the correct pronunciation of that name, Ciola, like exactly how I should be saying that. Make okay, sure perfect. we're still I'm going I'm trying here. something new, um, recording inside of the software where I also will lay the image tracks. Alrighty, let's see here. Ah, uh, see, Ciola who was cooking the Christmas meal, normally he would have let his gaze linger on Ciola. He found her honey-red color, curvy body, emerald green eyes, and curly hair worn in two long braids, intoxicating. Upon seeing his mother, he gave her an enormous hug, sweeping her into his arms and out of the house. Once outside, he put her in the roadster and drove off. He asked his mother, where his father was she replied he was at the lab and asked what on earth was wrong with him they drove to the lab and asked for doctor honeycut he wasn't in the building or on the grounds they returned to the house along with some guards this time the women were sitting on the porch with leers on their faces and rufus could see murder in their eyes before he could stop her rufus's mother jumped out of the car and ran into the house zeb zeb rufus's mother called running up the stairs to their bedroom If his body is up there, so help me God, Rufus snarled. The woman rolled their eyes and the darkest and tallest one. The others called her Tildy, smiled her wicked, intimidating smile. Her doe-like green eyes pierced into him as her full sensual lips curled. Don't worry, it's not. His mother's screams pierced the air. Detain them, he ordered the guards, running Upstairs, Mother, what is it? Rufus found his mother in the bathroom throwing up in the toilet. Those bitches, she sobbed. Look what they left of them. Rufus turned to where his mother pointed and on the vanity were a blue eyeball and a severed penis. Garnet red blood had ripped down the vanity's edges and congealed on the floor in a macabre Rochon pattern. Taking a deep breath and grabbing some tissue, Rufus picked up the organs, threw them into the toilet, and pulled the lever. Why did you do that? His mother screamed in hysterics. Don't worry, mother, Rufus replied in a voice laced with ice and iron. Trust me, I know what I'm going what I'm doing. I'll make them pay, and they'll wish they had never been born. Promise me, Isabel simpered, staring up into Rufus' glacial blue eyes. I swear on Papa's soul. Rufus, who would earn his doctorate in molecular biology, was true to his word. Lizzie, the calmest of the women, protested that even though Zebulun had raped her in that very room hours earlier, she and the others hadn't killed him. deaf to her entreaties, Rufus had the women shackled and beaten almost to death. Isabel, always fragile, never recovered from the shock of her husband's death and died a year later, leaving Rufus and Beaugard orphans very rich orphans, but orphans nevertheless. Thankfully, Beau was visiting a friend that fateful day and missed the horrific event. Rufus knew he couldn't take care of his much younger brother, so he had the eight-year-old shipped off to various various military boarding schools until he graduated and went on to attend a military college. The women's lives changed very little. Rufus purchased a property that would later become the the town of Ravenswood. And the site for the Ravenish's current home, Ravenswood Farm, seemingly there were no locked gates and the women were free to move about. But Rufus had made the consequences of trying to escape very clear. Rather than keeping their power secret, Rufus gambled and informed local law enforcement and the army, assuring them he had the women securely contained and that he could harvest their remarkable abilities to benefit the American government. So Rufus finished all of his schooling and continued the experiments, now sanctioned by those in power he constantly goaded the women about their situation let them try to escape he promised to hunt and shoot them down like the animals they were he even seemed to have a special relationship with siola somewhere along the line the women grew complacent so when rufus brutally seized their beloved daughters they didn't see it coming and just going to take this time out to Take a brief, uh, taking a brief message from our sponsor. Thank you. Has this ever happened to you? And of course, followed by this. Oh, what about the time when you have to go somewhere, can't find the right thing, right piece of jewelry, the right dress. With everything going on, no one, and I mean no one wants to deal with the hustle and bustle of the malls these days. And then, here comes the dh <coughs> BHK offers a wide range of custom-made products, from jewelry to dresses, cell phones, earbuds even, all kinds of things, cool shoes, all at low, low prices that cannot be beat. Using my link, you can get an additional 20 to 30% off. Next to nothing on your next purchase. Kiss the hustle and bustle of the mall goodbye and say hello to com. What about the prophecy? How could a new breed of ravenisha arise in an unknown world if their daughters were taken from them? The women didn't understand. They'd follow the Panthera Noire's and Edia's orders. Would they ever be free? As the women shrank in, their, in on themselves and became ghosts of their former spirits, Rufus celebrated gleefully. One afternoon, on the 30th anniversary of his mother's death, he dressed in his finest suit and left work. As dusk fell in the beautifully maintained roadster he'd driven home those tragic years ago, Rufus drove to the once-segregated cemetery where rich white families such as his buried their dead until the mid-1980s, in a peaceful garden-like setting. Rufus entered through the grand columned gates and drove slowly under the arches. He shook his head as he passed the huge fenced marble mausoleum that had caused so much heartache and anger amongst the genteel southern aristocracy. They just don't get it, he thought. Despite the cemetery being desecrated in the 1970s, people had somehow kept the blacks out into the mid-1980s when a prominent black family had forced the city to allow the burial of the family's patriarch in that gaudy mausoleum. Granted, the mausoleum was probably the most expensive monument in the cemetery, but that wasn't the point. White folks just didn't want those people in their cemetery. Rufus reached the Honeycutt family plot. He pulled to the side, got out, and removed his mother's favorite liquor, a fine cognac from the brown bag, and the passenger seat. He walked over to her grave and gazed at her headstone. Isabel Frederica Honeycutt, loving wife and mother, gone too soon. Rufus murmured a requisite. for his mother. I made them pay, mother, just like I promised I would. May you rest in peace. Rufus poured an appreciable amount from the bottle onto the grave and took a sip. You hated drinking alone. He tilted the bottle to the headstone. To revenge. Although I'm not sure how successful the revenge was, considering you have a mixed-race granddaughter. Cleodora. He muttered, leaving. Chapter 2. Amazing. So, do you know how, like, um, so, I don't know. I had to remove those, um, oh my gosh, shout out to, um, P. Grace Lawson again for allowing us to read this novel. Thank you so much. And, um, we were reading another novel here on the channel. I'm not even sure if I can mention the name. (laughs) Like, I swear, because I, um, I literally removed all those videos because, as you can see, some of you are not able to hit the bell. Um, they were deeming this as a content made for kids channel, and it, it wasn't. And the book wasn't a children's book, so that was just, like, really frustrating. And um, I put a lot of time and effort into this, and I just, that's not fair. You can't make something into something it isn't. And it's my channel, and it it never at one point in time was where that book was the focus of the channel. It's another, it was a segment. Um, so that's why, I mean, that's why the cooking videos have been up just as long, I'm actually longer. Um, and they're still up, because this is about creativity and phenomenal things, and it's, and it's also, my personal goal is to bring people together, you know, um, from all walks of life just because that's kind of what, um, creativity does, and that's what love does, and, you know, so, that's what it's about, you know what I mean, so I'm not gonna allow, and yeah, sometimes shit gets dark, like, this, this book is gonna get dark, you know, it's over here, you know what I mean, so, like, what the hell, um, so no, it's not geared toward one specific audience, and damn sure, for fucking not kids! Let's No, I'm not going to put that type of restriction on myself Ever, ever I've had 104 jobs Okay Out of survival and having a chronically ill child No one is going to force anything on me Sorry Lo siento, por favor We were learning Spanish And because I was using the use of Duolingo Which had animations I, Because um, I would see the bell Go on and off as if someone's literally Subscribed to the channel And like When they lift the bell, the person is notified because they're a subscriber. And it's almost as if they're literally contacting YouTube when they're getting notified. Like, hey, why am I notified? This is a kid's channel. You know what I mean? On some hating shit. Um, But love prevails. Hate doesn't. (laughs) Okay. And that's actually in the Bible. Um, Look at me. Moving on. Moving forward. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Don't forget to pick up The Rise of the Revanitia. You can get this book on Amazon.com. Do not forget to um, check out the description box Um, for the video upload of this. I'm going to have, there will be a link there for the DHgate discount. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Hello. Yeah, I'm going to be back next week. going to try to make it every Wednesday where I am premiering a chapter of The Rise of the Revenitia. Mm-hmm. <laughs>